new character archetypes that are set in motion by the action of the play and you watch them sort of spin themselves to uh, strange and bizarre conclusions. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, everybody. It's another episode of No Script, an unscripted conversation about theater's best scripts. I'm Jacob Mann Christensen. And I am Jackson Nikolai. Yes, thank you all for tuning back in again to another conversation. We are so excited to have another chance to talk about some of theater's best scripts with all of you out there in podcast land on a weekly basis. So we're stoked to be able to do that again with all of you. Yeah, and this week it's another one of those sort of whiplash moments in this podcast where we go from like 1940s, early 20th century, (laughs) classic American drama to like a 2015 play, had another production last year uh, that's still part of the workshopping process. So we're we're flinging ourselves around the, the landscape of American drama. It's true. Last episode, we talked about The Little Foxes, which, as Jacob just said, is a a pretty, you know, an historically important play within the American uh, theater lexicon. And today it's a piece of dramatic architecture. I think think we described it as such last week. (laughs) We were quoting someone pretentious. We try not to be that pretentious. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's true, we try. Um, but um, but this week we are moving on to a conversation about the Thanksgiving play by Larissa Fasthorse. Yeah, this is going to be a really exciting play for us to talk about. It's a really, really cool little script. Little in terms of its length. This is a, a shorter play, especially compared to The Little Foxes, which which is interesting because I think last week we said The Little Foxes was short compared to Streetcar Named Desire. Right. So we're starting to create a spectrum of play <laughs> length, I think. <laughs> right. It's all relative in terms of that. But yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm excited to get to talk about it. Larissa Fast Horse, of course, uh, a, a great playwright. Uh, not, we haven't done a a show of hers yet on the podcast so i'm excited to be able to yeah uh talk about her play yeah absolutely and and this is the kind of play where we want to say on the front end before we really kind of get into the meat of the discussion that you know the issues in this play there and lisha fasthorse will tell you this if you listen to her interviews this is a, a play about indigenous issues now it is cast with all white folks and we'll discuss sort of how that works and why she made those decisions as we go but on the front end let's just jackson and i recognize that we're two white guys and that that colors that impacts the discussion that we're going to have. And so as always, we encourage this not to be the last place you go for discussion, for analysis, for content about the Thanksgiving play. If you can't see a production, watch some clips, listen to some interviews. There's some great stuff out there about this script. And so just, you know, don't don't let two white guys be the last voices you hear on this play, probably. Yeah, we like to acknowledge our our particular perspective and where we're coming from. It's also interesting to acknowledge that this is a bit of self-referentialness, if you know anything about this play. (laughs) Um, We're kind of doing what they do in this play. Um, So, Uh, Well, I I hope that's not true. You know, I mean, in the best version of of what we do, this is we're we're not the folks that are being uh, satired in the Thanksgiving play. But in the worst version, almost for sure we are. Almost for sure. So, yeah, just at the top. Like Jacob said already, absolutely. We come from a specific perspective, and there's lots of great resources on this play for you to find other than us, but we're excited to be able to talk about it. Um, before we jump into the conversation around it, though, we do want to take just a second and thank all of our patrons over on patreon.com slash podcast. Thank you all so much for supporting this show. We are completely listener supported. Um, so thank you all so much. We love getting to do this show. We love getting to have these conversations and talk about playwrights from all over the world. Um, it's not a free endeavor. And so the patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast make it happen. Um, if you're looking for a way to help out the show, whether you're a long time 
longtime listener or have just found the show uh, recently and are just loving what you hear, um, <laughs> we would love to uh, point you over to patreon.com slash podcast as a way to help out the show. For as little as $1 a month, $12 over the course of a year, you can help us out enormously with things like uh, podcast hosting fees, uh, you know, the, the time involved, the, the scripts we buy, all that sort of stuff to have these conversations. And uh, yeah, the, you get a bunch of different uh, uh, rewards at different tiers of membership over there. So head on over there, check it out. Uh, you'll see all the options over there at patreon.com slash podcast. And as sort of an, an added little tag on to our Patreon discussion, if you are one of our Patreon supporters, you already have the information that we're about to share at your disposal. So you got that early access to this info. And that info is that our themed month is coming up on No Script. This is a season-by-season season tradition part of our programming. We spend four episodes one month rather than doing a, a variety of scripts. This is what we try to do in our day-to-day or week-to-week podcast life. During the themed month, we try to spend those four weeks about plays that have something to do with each other. Sometimes that's a very loose definition of what they have to do with each other. Sometimes they're four plays by the same playwright or four plays from the same era or or whatever it happens to be. Four musicals, I think, was our first one. That was probably the most vague of them we've ever done just because they happen to be musicals. But <laughs> since then, we've gotten a little bit better at themed months, I think. So we've we've done some really great ones all along, and we've got a great one coming up. Yes, we do. We are going to be focusing on the plays of David Henry Huang these, this coming themed month. Excited to get to uh, do some more plays of his. We've done at least one on the show. Yes. Um, uh, yep. And and excited to kind of uh, spend a whole month with, with his plays upcoming. So, um, yeah, get excited for that. We finally let go of our alliterativeness. We, if you're a long time We got listener. no snappy name for this one. It's just the <laughs> themed month and it's about David Henry Huang. That's all we yeah. got, folks. It's, it's true. Last last one was a bit of a stretch, and we were like, okay, we're done with the double M thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, so we had a couple that were a bit of a stretch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's true. It's true. So excited to get to talk about David Henry Huang's play in the upcoming themed month. Absolutely. That will be great. That will be in April of this season. So it's, I think it's March now. You know, we record ahead of time, so I have to look at the specific release date. But I believe this is coming out in March, and the themed month is in April. So mark that on your calendars. Be aware. Be excited. David Henry Huang is a a really incredible contemporary American playwright. So that'll be really fun for us to talk about. The last one we did was of this time style was Miller Month, so David Henry Wong is a, is a just a gap in terms of generations of playwrights between him and Miller, so that'll be really exciting for us to do. That's coming up in April. Be ready. And now, back to the script. Back to the script. All righty. So, Larissa Fasthorse, new playwright to the podcast. Fasthorse is a uh, playwright and composer. She actually started as a ballet dancer and did that professionally as a dancer and choreographer for a long time until an injury ended up sort of sidelining her from being able to do ballet as she loved. And so she moved into television, basically. Uh, producer for a while with Universal Studios, with Paramount, and then moved into director and writing more, Uh, and then eventually she sort of turned her attention to the theater from the landscape of television and film. She is from South Dakota originally. She's an enrolled member of the Rosebud Sioux Tribe. Interestingly, if you you listen to some interviews with her, she sort of has a sense of... um, uh, a shock, maybe, or surprise that she has had access. She would describe it as access to rooms, right? Rooms where decisions are being made that a lot of Native American folks do not have. And she has been really passionate about using that access that she has that other folks that she knows does not have in order to try to, you know, better the lives, better the representation, better the storytelling about Native American people in this country. And so she takes that. That role really seriously. She uh, was a MacArthur Fellows Program uh, graduate in 2020. She won the NEA Distinguished New Play Development Grant, um, and, and she's done a lot of productions, especially she's done a lot of sort of workshop, sort of community building type of stuff all over the country. Uh, Minneapolis has been a home for several of her productions. She currently lives in California. This play was developed out of a grant that she received from the Guthrie Theater, so that's right in Minneapolis, 
to go to Ireland to write a play. And so that was in 2015. So she received this grant. She goes to Ireland. Uh, the story is that she wrote the play in 10 days and basically has been workshopping it ever since. And this play idea came out of uh, real experiences that she has had working as uh, a Native American writer in America. And those experiences are she's trying to write about indigenous issues. She's trying to write stories that reflect and represent and tell that Native American voice. But she consistently comes up against the white American theater where they say, we can't cast this show with Native American actors. There are no Native American actors. This show is uncastable. She would say that she has had that conversation a lot of times. And, you know, there are Native American actors, of course, but this is this is the story she gets told over and over about why her plays can't be produced. So she comes up with the concept of a, to write a play about writing a play about Native American issues without Native American people in the room. And out of that comes Thanksgiving play. Jackson will tell you, I'm sure, how all of that fits into the story. So this version was first developed in 2015. It was workshopped at UC Berkeley. 2016-17, uh, it played at the center stage in Baltimore. It was selected in 2017 for the Kilroys, which is a, sort of a list of underrepresented plays by women and LGBTQ folks. Um, in 2017, it played at the Playwright Center in Minneapolis. It played at the Jeffen Playhouse in Los Angeles. 2018, it was at the Artist Rep in Oregon. It was off-Broadway in 2018 at Playwrights Horizon. Some great clips of that online that you can check out. Out. And that was Larissa Fasthorse's off-Broadway debut as well in 2018. 2019, Capitol Stage in Sacramento, Curious Theater Company in Denver. We found that the Hope College did a production of it, apparently, and took that to the American College Theater Festival. You can see a little of that. And they did the interlude sections, which Jackson will talk about, like as videos that were played as part of the finalized video production of the event, which is cool. And then in 2021, there was an online production produced. It was it was a little bit of an adaption. My understanding is that some of the script was shifted to live into the world that we were all trying to live into where this story was actually happening over Zoom, right? So the story of people coming together to rehearse and write this play that it, that is the Thanksgiving play was happening, really actually happening over Zoom. It wasn't just like a Zoom recording of these actors doing it. Um, that was produced by the uh, Spotlight on Plays series from Broadway's Best Shows. Um, and it was, it was like a fundraiser sort of production for the Actors Fund, of course, while everything is closed due to the pandemic. But listen to this cast. In the cast was uh, Bobby Cannavale, Keanu Reeves, Heidi Schreck, and Aaliyah Shockwell. I mean, it is that's a great wow, yeah. cast. Four-hander, and those are four awesome actors. You'll recognize every one of them, even if you didn't recognize my horribly bungled mispronunciations of their names. You will <laughs> recognize them. Just look it up. And so it was in a Zoom format. Um, and I'm betting if you know those four actors, you can already guess who played who. Wouldn't be that hard from that particular <laughs> list, I wouldn't think so. That's uh, the Thanksgiving play as it's sort of come into the world. I think because it was adaptable to an online format, like some drama is not especially, it kind of had a life through the pandemic that is, you know, sort of the exception to what Jackson and I have been reflecting on about new plays and how the development of new plays, especially from like 2018 to, to 2020, the plays that were created and coming into their own in that time period ended up facing uh, the barrier of the pandemic to that sort of continued growth that a play needs to have to gain the kind of prominence that you would want it to have. And this is an interesting example of a play that seemed to do pretty well through that stretch and is now, you know, back in it, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fascinating to kind of note those plays that that kind of uh, continue to 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 build through out the time were adaptable. So so yeah, I, I'm guessing this is one of those ones that maybe you've heard of out there in podcast land, and are ex and I'm excited to get to talk about it. Um, I'm gonna just real quick synopsize the play. Um, this play is as Jacob already mentioned, uh, centers around four um, Caucasian. Uh, uh, people who are trying to put on a Thanksgiving play in the middle of uh, Native American Heritage Month. Uh, the four uh, uh, characters are Logan, Jackson, Alicia, and Caden. Now, and Logan that's is Jackson with a T. Jackson with a T. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, Logan is the uh, high school drama teacher at this elementary school where the play is set. Um, 
and uh, Jackson is her. Well, um, yeah, she she's like the high school drama teacher for the district, I guess. It's not it's not especially clear. I think this is an extra gig that she's gotten at the elementary school from a friend, but she's like the local high school drama teacher. Right. But it's not, it, that part of it is not especially crystallized, like where these community folks have come from to come into this space. Yeah, she's she she is definitely some connected to the school. Somehow there's a petition against her for some of the plays that she's done for before. For doing the Iceman cometh it. That's yep. so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. So she's been entrusted with putting on this play. Um, and uh, she has brought on Jackson as is the cast. She and Jackson are together. Um, uh, I believe just boyfriend girlfriend in in this play. Um, and uh, but Jackson is an actor as well. He's uh, uh kind of a community actor uh he calls himself a local celebrity they both <laughs> they both spent Logan, time like agrees with that too it's right. like, oh no he's right he is he's a local celebrity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. um they've both spent time in la trying to do the actor thing but have both found other ways to live out their their call to acting um they, they are kind of organizing this play, and Logan decides to make this play an, an improv play, a play that kind of comes about through the cast, all improving together to kind of create the play. Um, Caden comes onto the project. Caden is a, uh, a history teacher um, within the school, an elementary school uh, history teacher, and he comes on as a, both a, an actor, but also he kind of bleeds into the role of playwright a little bit. He comes with a lot of scenes kind of already written um, and also kind of a lot of the history about Thanksgiving and the various uh, harvest festivals that they, they will end up grappling with. Um, these three kind of start to start the play off, kind of all come together. Um, there's some uh, conversation between Jackson and Logan about the stakes. Uh, Logan uh, with this petition uh, and and both of them really wanting to be sure that this play um, takes in all the perspectives possible. This play is about uh, performative wokeness and, and the ways that these characters want to be sure that they're um, kind of engaging this project, which uh, is admittedly full of uh, uh, a lot of different angles that it can be viewed from, uh, culturally sensitive and insensitive topics. And they all want to be sure that they're going to portray it well. So, uh, amongst other things, Logan has put in the time to get a bunch of grant money so she can hire a Native American actress to play one of the main characters in this show. She says that she is coming um, and that she'll be here for rehearsal, and then Alicia shows up. Alicia um, is a presenting, at least, white person who walks in the room, um, and uh, for a while, they kind of go back and forth around her as this authority um, as they start kind of warming up to the project and starting to talk about the themes of the play, um, it becomes more and more clear that uh, Alicia is in fact not of Native American heritage, but just took some pictures that made her look that way and has landed a lot of roles that within uh, the kind of Hollywood machine uh, give her these sort of um, ethnic minority roles within the uh, American theater scene. I think she so, says like, my look is super flexible. Yeah, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's uh, a moment of realization for uh, Logan and Jackson and and they especially uh, Logan especially kind of goes into a bit of a tailspin around it because she has all this grant money she really wanted to have the perspective of of a Native American actor in the play and that kind of derails her thoughts for it that's most of scene one as they all kind of bump off each other in that way second scene um, they they rally um, Jackson and Logan kind of come up with this plan uh, to do a play that has uh, only white people in it and try to do things through symbolism to uh, uh, show that the that the Native American presence in the play without actually embodying any of the Na Native American characters because that, that would be politically incorrect to do so in 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 their in their reasoning. Um, the second scene kind of gets into some improv scenes more. We learn more about Alicia and her uh, outlook on her life. She uh, let's see. I'm just going to read her character description. Um, she is Caucasian looking, but looks, but has looks that would have been cast as ethnic in 1950s movies without guile, sexy and hot, but not bright. 
So she um, kind of brings some of that into it. Logan has this idea that she can like help Alicia escape Hollywood and find more meaning through her art. Alicia is, is more in the category of like, I don't, I don't need to do that. I'm an, I'm an actress. I know what I'm doing. Um, and, and I, and I'm, you know, I'm just fine with that. All through this scene is woven uh, a lot of posturing by uh, Logan and Alicia especially, or I'm sorry, Logan and Jackson especially, around these sort of politically correct issues about wanting to be sure they represent well, wanting to be sure they care, take the, the story well. Caden uh, weaves through these scenes as this person who really wants the history to be there. He wants to be sure that the facts are stated, that some truth is in the play. Um, he's also just kind of, this is his first time being in a play. So he's kind of fanboying about, um, uh, being able to have these actors play the parts with him. Um, the third scene is them, uh, kind of landing on, uh, on, uh, or the third part, I guess this, there's, there's some, there's some extra scenes in there. Um, but the third part is them kind of landing on this, this play, um, as, Maybe maybe it would be best if we just didn't have spoken parts of this play. What if we like play with silence? What if we um, uh, try to find a way that that silence uh, is representative of both sides of the of the uh, spectrum of both the Thanksgiving and Native American uh, Heritage Month, and they kind of leave it in that space of well, what what if silence is the real speaking part? A lot there's a lot of. Um, a conflict with Caden, especially, who wants to be sure that his play is like spoken out his words. He's written a lot of words for the play, um, but eventually they give him like the title of dramaturg, and he's so excited to get the title of dramaturg. Um, and and that's kind of the that that's kind of the very broad sweep of the play. It's it's one day as these characters doing a rehearsal where they try to improv uh, uh, this play around Thanksgiving for an elementary school audience. The other thing that is worth noting in our synopsis, and then we'll jump into the specifics of it, is each of these parts are uh, uh, prefaced by scenes um, of teacher resources, essentially. Um, what I have in my script is they, they give a URL of an actual site um, and like kind of read it off. songsforteachers.org. Mm-hmm. And these songs all have to do with trying to uh, give teachers a way to teach Thanksgiving in their schools. Um, like, if you could imagine the most uncomfortable, like, from the latter half of the 20th century, like, ways that teachers maybe before we were hopefully as a society thinking better about this kind of stuff, that kind of song material about the pilgrims and the Native Americans all getting along or even worse than that kind of stuff yeah. in yep. song form for kids, like, that's what you're getting. Yeah, yeah, there's even some uh, traditional songs that are brought out and like the second verse of them are sung like like Home on the Range. I, I bet you many of the listeners have the like hummed at least Home on the Range. The second verse is awful. Um get the play yeah, and read it. Terrible. Um yeah, so so it's it's just brought out that um that that all of these sort of resources that that are being highlighted in, in the play have this uh yeah, this this tinge to them of of just uh yeah, early yeah, late late 20th century sort Sort of uh, ideas around Thanksgiving and and the sort of culture that was trying to be uh, made through these songs. And so at the start of each of these scenes, that's how they they kick them off with these sort of performative. Uh, it's the the play marks uh, a welcome to the cast to figure out how you want them to be be performative and pretty. Uh, um, satirical, um, comedic in some sense. Like she, well, the uh, fast horse welcomes the play um, uh, runners to find a way to do so that. Um, here, I'll just read it. Um, a play with theatricality of these scenes. Perhaps children perform them. Perhaps puppets. Perhaps the actors as children. Perhaps video. Perhaps a anything. Have fun. Um, so it's it's there's supposed to be this kind of juxtaposition with the content and the uh, tone with which it is presented by the cast. And see if you agree with me on this, Jackson. I mean, my, my sense of these scenes is that they're real. Like, these are actual materials 
for teachers that have been created and published online. And then oftentimes she also includes like some description of how you might use it in a lesson, which again, I believe is quoted from these sources or user comments online. For example, there's one song where it's like, it's like turkeys singing it, right? Four little turkeys standing in a row, blah, blah, blah. One of the lines is two little Indians fooling with a gun, one shot the other, and then there was one. One little Indian left all right. So it's that kind of stuff, okay? Yeah. Yeah. So then the comment afterwards is teacher's comment. For fun, try having students sing Indian instead of Indian. My students loved it. I mean, that, so that, she's, I think, trying to say this kind of stuff is really out there. And to her yeah. credit, I think that what she has selected, I think, is the kind of material that you could actually see still out there being used today. I think she has largely set aside what I'm sure are some things that would just make you throw up if you heard it about descriptions of, of Native American people from like, you know, a long time ago that that hopefully have been basically set aside by almost everybody in society. But it is the more subtle, still fairly obvious, but more subtle kinds of racist material that she's brought forth. Now, there, there's one moment where it's referred, somebody in a song is referred to as a red man, right? And there there are comments like, red man, are you serious? Like the, the YouTube comments or whatever would have been like, red man, are you serious? That's terrible. That's racist. And then, of course, as you can fully imagine, from today's world, somebody being like, it's historical. Don't be so sensitive. It's actually what they said. So it's like those parts of the play feel so relevant and timely. Even as we've said, it feels like material that was probably written a while ago, but has stayed around sort of pervasively and and in in our culture. Yeah, and those scenes, I mean, we're starting to get into the kind of general conversation of the play, but the but those scenes really uh, help to ground us in a in a reality, uh, like a, a more amplified reality that that sets the the context for the action of the play, because these characters are all kind of posturing and well-meaning and and trying to like show each other how woke they are, um, but but the reality is that they're dealing with themes that that still have a lot of impact on schools and on education that that maybe it's just kind of float under the radar at least of the public perception and so these these scenes at the start of each of the parts um provide that grounding in 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 a real issue that is being addressed uh with the comedy of this play yeah it 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 grounds the play in like a realistic urgency right i mean this is a very funny play there's a lot of uh rib poking and openly sort of mocking and and some you know it's a lot satire it's a lot humor i think there's a great interview with her where she says you know laughter adds years on to your life so i made this play really funny that's that's you know that that's the right. kind of at the core of it is that it's a it's a really funny play but it is grounded in these scenes which tells us that there is some realistic urgency to the issues faced in this play right i mean she's basically saying this stuff that I'm mocking in the actual scenes, the dialogic scenes, that stuff is still around. It's actually happening. This is not just a satire about people from 1987. These are people from now. I mean, 2015, right? This is happening in schools now. This is the kind of stuff that your kids are singing at their Thanksgiving plays. And you don't think that's going to affect how they view Native American people growing up? Yeah, yeah, and you kind of see the ripple effects of that, uh, and 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 how I mean to jump right to the end of the play. That's yeah. kind of the question at the end. Um, is like, what? Why are we throwing these words around? Why are we? Why are we continuing to perpetuate this? This these words when maybe it's best if we just don't do anything for the Thanksgiving play. <laughs> um, well, that's and, and that's... That's a, I, I'm not sure, honestly, what to make of the end of I the know. play. I, I, it, it, I don't know, and I, I'm not sure that I'm supposed to know, right? Is, is, it, is it an earnest suggestion, or is this like... I, I think my, my instinct would be or... to say that this is like the logical conclusion of the performative wokeness that is being expressed through Logan and Jackson. And I think it it, it is 
it is noteworthy that Alicia and Caden are out of there. You know, I mean, they they gone. Yeah. They they ain't interested in this kind of stuff. And it, right. Jackson and Logan are the ones that come to this conclusion. The conclusion is basically we should do nothing. Nothing and, is the path yeah. forward. Right, and more nothing. We should do this more often. <laughs> um, and yeah, so there's I I I I too am a little like kind of holding holding the ending oddly like it yeah whether whether it is whether it is a comment on you know you know thanksgiving plays are are likely going to run into very similar issues as as both the middle scenes or the the preface scenes and the actual action of the play run into and yet also to do nothing is maybe not you know is nothing nothing gets done and nothing no no uh work is done on the issues uh that that the play is addressing so yeah it's it it definitely ends with this kind of huh interesting <laughs> well right i think i i mean i think it is very much that logical conclusion of this standpoint right if your standpoint is all about being correct in the sense of saying things that show that you're an ally in exactly the right way but there's not a lot undergirding those that language right those sort of actions that performance of this is who I am I'm going to be the best ally I'm going to be the most supportive but underneath that is not a lot of layers of support of actual allyship of of working to 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 make the world a better place for everybody right then the logical conclusion you're going to reach is that there's do do nothing because everything we could possibly do is wrong in some way and that's the conclusion that logan and jackson reach right they try thing after thing after thing we're going to represent the native american people we're not going to represent the native american people we're going to conspicuously leave them absent in the play we're going to leave a big empty space of nothingness in the middle of the play and i think the logic there is if everything we do is wrong in some way in the world of i mean this is sort of the heightened most extreme sense of political correctness right everything is wrong in that language then the logic conclusion is nothing nothing is the only way forward yeah yeah it's, a, it's almost absurd and it's interesting to watch the ways that they the the their arguments develop on this throughout because they are all like kind of necessary dominoes of that that line of thought you have the yeah you have the improv scenes or, or you have well really it starts right at the beginning it's okay to do this play if we have an, a native american actor in the play well that falls apart because alicia does not uh, have any Native American heritage for, and so for their reasoning that 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 prevents them from doing so. But, so let, but get... let's not skip over why she hired Alicia, right? Based yeah. on her headshot, right? She wore turquoise shells, dressed in a, a stereotypical Native American way, and that was enough for Logan to hire her to be a Native American person. And I think that that discovery goes a little bit under the radar in the play. That of all of this description of how important it is for authentic voice and for people to be in the room she just hired her based on a picture where she dressed like a native american person right right there's a couple of little like kind of moments where that theme is brought in there's that one there's a scene where uh when they're still in the confusion thinking that uh that that she does have alicia does have native american heritage they're like interviewing her about her Thanksgiving experience and assume that when she's talking about uh, whatever games that they were watching on Thanksgiving, that they're talking, that she's talking about like lacrosse or something like that. And she's in fact talking about a football game and it, it kind of quickly. And so they have a self-referential moment about that. They have a moment uh, in what, I mean, this theme really lands home and in, in the scenes we already said, but also later on in the scenes when Jackson and Logan are trying to think of a way to do this still, they're like, maybe we could bring on a consultant or something, someone from the native American community into it. And, or we could, we could tell them about this idea and see what they think. And there's a pause and Logan says, I don't know any native American people. Um, so, so you have these moments well, it, of kind of... It, it's even worse than that because they're trying to decide if it's okay for uh, them to to play or not play Native American characters in the play, right? I mean, red face, right? Representing Native American people as white people. And they, they want to make the decision that it's not okay to do, that they should not do it. But their sense is we should have a Native American voice tell us that it's not okay to do so that we're not making assumptions on behalf of Native American voices. So they just try to name any Native American person that they know, any person on the street 
that they could get an opinion on, right? Which, right. of course, it all goes back to like, well, every member of a minority group is asked to be the representative for all the voices in the minority group. And like, Jackson knows somebody who built a sweat lodge on his back deck. And that person probably knows a Native American person because that's probably where he learned it, not at Burning Man. I mean, it's like right. the, the layers of, I think, carefully arranged... Uh, not not only like straight up criticism of this kind of constant wokeness, but also just uh, really funny satire. I mean, you just yeah. laugh at these folks make these decisions. That's that's the thing that like is is the masterful piece of this play is that all of this is is like set up and care took by the cast and the writer and the director to to be a space that you're laughing in simultaneously. Like if you've got to this point of the podcast, we've been talking about some kind of heavy stuff, right? Like uh, especially when we're engaging it in th- in in the realm of themes. However, these characters um are written just just on the page. They're written hilariously. Um, and then if you then if you do that extra step and go see the play or as or I haven't had the chance to go see the play, but I found the play All Rights Horizon scenes on YouTube. You hear the way that the the actors and the director have brought out the words of this. And it is just it's just hilarious. Just watching the, the, the critique coming from characters who don't know that they are critiquing themselves. The actors do, but the, but the characters don't. So you have this like just really funny progression that is drawing out all these really important themes. Yeah, it, it, it's like uh, Fast Horse has sort of developed new archetypes, new character yeah. archetypes that are set in motion by the action of the play, and you watch them sort of spin themselves to uh, strange and bizarre conclusions. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 fascinating, especially uh, I think one of the one of the more interesting interactions with these archetypes. So you have you have the 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 woke school uh, theater teacher. You have the woke artist who uh, samples all sorts of things and has friends who go on like uh, yoga trips to Machu Picchu and can't be reached by their phone. You have the historian who knows you know so much about history and wants to present it well with all the perspective on how we've maybe uh, messed up history uh and how we tell history and then you have alicia in the mix who is pretty archetypal um uh this this uh you know a beautiful actress from la coming in to do a job and is just willing to act whatever part um is given to her and you have some really interesting exchanges especially between her and logan there's a delightful little series of of uh, of reasoning where logan is trying to convince uh, alicia that 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 she's wrong and that she needs to try to fix the way she is. Um, but uh, Alicia says, I'm, 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 I'm not worried about that. There's times that I just don't worry about things. <laughs> and, and Logan like is shocked by that and shocked by the um, sort of space that Alicia has in herself to just like not be thinking about things. So, so I think that sort of interaction with, with a pretty familiar archetype in the midst of these, uh, kind of new uh, emerging archetypes within our political uh, uh, zeitgeist. I'm going to use the word zeitgeist because it sounds cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is is a really interesting way to show show the uh, the the juxtaposition between them. Yeah, well, and and of course, I mean, what what motivates the drama in this play that keeps it moving along that that is really. You know, we've talked about them as these sort of bigger portraits of different kinds of folks, but they are individually as characters motivated. And there's quite a bit of stakes in the play that make the encounters more urgent and 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 drive a, a heightened sort of tension, a heightened level of awareness of, of how, why they need to move these things forward, what it means to them personally and professionally. Logan, as we've said, right, high school drama teacher, she's been uh, she's had productions protest in the past. Parents are after her because they think she's doing material inappropriate for high schoolers. I mean, the Iceman comment, they're probably right. But... She is, uh, she, she, so she has that going on, right? She has to succeed in putting on this Thanksgiving play where she's probably going to be fired by the district, I guess is my sense of it, um, because she's not, she just can't seem to do it. So there's that like professional stakes, right? She has to get the play done and she's probably going to lose her job. But on top of that is layered a lovely personal level to this too. She moved to LA before the action of the play to work as an actor and she has come back because her sense, her words, that she just wasn't like pretty or sexy in 
enough to really compete in that market. And so she has, she, I think she has a line to this effect, right? If I'm not an actor and I'm not a director and I'm not an educator, what am I? So there's this question of success for the play that that is motivated by like this this is going to be core to who I am. Succeeding at this project is core to my identity. And it's a project for which, you know, she she has no real basis for leadership. She's not a na- she says as soon as Caden comes in, she's like, you know, history is not really my strong point. Well, are you re- are you leading a historical <laughs> project for developing a new Thanksgiving play? I don't know if that was really the right choice for you. But but it's it's crucial that she gets this done, that she has success because it's central to who she is as a person. And and then the other kind of character that kind of has this similar like layered overness of a really compelling personal goal is is Caden. Caden, uh, at least for me in the reading of him, he has this like love for <laughs> for playwriting and theater um, and and that, that he's just never been able to live out. And so he has quite a bit of stakes in it, too, leading to kind of the I'm, I think I'm going to say this correctly. The, really, the only like physical altercation between the characters is Caden, like in the scene where they're going to be like basically uh, miming the whole action of the play. No words. They're just going to do this kind of physical piece. Caden um, uh, just revolts and, and runs around the room saying the lines of his play. Jackson like runs up and tries to put his like like silence him <laughs> and and uh, and there's this this fight uh, in the play so Caden uh, has these like big emotions that he's bringing into it and high stakes for this moment that he finally has broken into the theater scene that he's been on the outside of for so long that he brings into the action of it and these these personal investments in in the the reason why they're in the room I think are so important for this kind of archetypal satire comedy you know if you're watching something like Saturday Night Live for example right it does a very similar archetypal satire but the Saturday Night Live sketches are are four minutes long or three minutes long. So if characters do things that aren't justified, that are just funny, right? That's just the point. It's just funny and you move on with your life. But if you're going to spend 90 minutes or an hour, whatever it is for the Thanksgiving play with these folks, for them to just consistently do things that aren't motivated by a personal interest or a, a furthering an objective starts to get... Un- untenable. You just watch people do things that you can't predict that don't seem to be based on anything just for the comic effect. And I want to just clarify that what I'm saying is that that's not the Thanksgiving play. She's done right. an incredible job building these hilarious archetypes. You see yourself in them. You, I mean, as a white person, at least I do. You see, my, I see myself in them. You see my community in them. The the really fair rib poking and criticism in it. But on top of that, motivating all of it is genuine. Genuine character development, genuine people pursuing something that is of interest to them, right? You've got Jackson, who simultaneously, right, he is romantic partners with Logan, wants her to succeed because he cares about her. But there's also uh, a sense of his community stature on the line. He believes himself to be a professional actor. In fact, he's offended that he wasn't hired to be the professional actor at the beginning. And so achieving success in this similarly, right, is, is crucial to his sense of himself. As you described, Caden, he has this dream of being a playwright. That dream is coming to fruition in this play, and it's all falling apart in front of him. And what what are, I don't know, the, the stakes for Alicia are uh, maybe a little more vague. Yeah, yeah. Alicia, I think, has, has um, a lot of care about being an actor. She has a lot of passion about being an actor and about uh, her ability to uh, make people feel things. Um, she she uses the tactic of beauty quite often for that, but also a lot of passion around, or uses the tactic of just being an adaptable actor. She over and over like will will say like as the ideas keep coming and get keep getting kind of more and more absurd, she will over and over have the line, "Oh yeah, I can do that," and then does it. <laughs> um, so so I think that there is some uh, part of Alicia that has this passion for acting and and commitment to the 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 calling that she has in that and wants to be able to continue even in an elementary school play to pursue <laughs> that calling. Yeah, she she does come in with an awful lot of like seriousness about the size of her part and and the way she's going to be put on stage. Well, right. at the same time, I mean it, it's not like she's been tricked. She knows they're performing it like 
the you know whatever the name of the elementary school is blank elementary school harvest festival or, or, right. or yeah, turkey yeah, yeah. festival or or whatever it is so there there's that there's an incongruity with her sense of the seriousness of the of the moment with the the non-seriousness of the production yeah yeah and we've already and, and I thought you talked about Logan's goals as well too so you so you have all of these these big goals of the characters all kind of playing off of each other and bouncing off of each other occasionally so that what the kind of uh, just just comedic ride that you're on has these undertones uh, of of real truth and real character development maybe maybe not development but but, uh, but certainly character um uh, progression and trying to pursue those goals uh within the context of this very like uh in in terms of the action of the play a very short time span one rehearsal yeah, well, and, and and so what you see is these four folks, right? They they have to get this done. They have to succeed for all their own various reasons that they bring into the room. And they all want to succeed in slightly different ways, which creates some interpersonal tension. But this is largely a group, you know, trying for the most part to work towards the same goal. They have to succeed at this thing for all of the things that we've talked about, all the stakes that make it an urgent, desperate task on their behalf. They have to do this. But, of course, the ridiculousness of the play... What makes it satire is that they have to succeed at a task which is impossible to right. do to do a, a fair Thanksgiving sort of show which presents Native American people in a light which is representative to their voices, brings their issues, brings their sense of the the, the month, all the stuff that they're trying to do with with four white people as the creative leaders of the project with no Native American voices, you know anything like that is an impossible task. Yeah, and for and then to give it to a community that either is of parents who uh, don't want one aspect or another of the play in there, or to children who don't care, um, <laughs> <laughs> so or or something like that. The, the that's that's the that's the kind of stakes that they are up against um, as they try to yeah to work on this impossible task together um, while and acknowledging just, their own just wokeness. a sense of like the the way that these particular white people who are selected who are the the core characters of the play, right, that they think about Native American people. There is a moment, Alicia comes in and Logan, no, this is going to get complicated. Logan knows <laughs> that she believes Alicia to be a Native American actor. At this point, Jackson doesn't know that Logan has hired what she believes to be a Native American actor. But then Logan reveals that. And Jackson says, oh, Alicia, you're Native American. I'm a, I'm a, I, I'm a, I'm a, a fan, but not just a fan. I'm a follower of your ways. Right. That's right. not an exact quote, but that's pretty close. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alicia has a great line after that of just like, oh, great, I've started another Instagram if you want to follow that, too. And then <laughs> later, once they've discovered that Alicia is not Native American, Jackson and Logan are talking, like, privately, and, and Jackson says, like, I knew she wasn't Native American. She's not centered enough. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's all sorts of lines like that in this play that yeah. just keep coming, especially from Jackson, but then also just the, like, proficient thanking that everyone does to each other. If you've been a part of of, of some uh, production like this or something like this or a similar situation, Logan just constantly thanks other people for uplifting that perspective. Thank you for always caring so much. Thank you for, you know, calling me out on that, etc. Over and over this this motif of thanking. Uh, uh and and then the the sort of like I'm aware um, that that sort of comment all, all the time, just constantly repeated, like I'm aware that I am bringing my own, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to it. Um, so, so yeah, over and over there are these scenes, little micro scenes within scenes that just give nods to this wokeness culture all over the place. And and moments that make you sort of genuinely uncomfortable, right? Like, um, uh, the, so Logan and Jackson are kind of at the height of their disagreement at this point in the play, and Logan is upset, and she calls Jack. Jackson like just a street performer and and Jackson's response is to be like this is what inequality <laughs> feels like right. do it say it again say, call me just a street performer again I need to feel the oppression Again, I'm right. not quoting exactly, but that's the sense of the scene, right? So she calls him just a street performer over and over again with the idea being that Jackson is experiencing what it's like to be a minority in that right. moment. I mean, it's just like it makes you go, ah, oh, my yeah. goodness. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, which ends in them all like in this like meditation circle together to like process the moment. Yeah. No, that's it's all over the place in this play. These kind of like yeah, just hilarious scenes uh, in the in the action of the play is very well written, but like kind of have these under gut punches to to the sort of uh, mindsets that they represent. Yeah, well, and it's interesting, right? Because two weeks ago, I think three weeks ago, we talked about whatever it was. We talked about yeah. that poor girl and how he killed her, which is another play that I feel like comes from a similar s- sense of performative uh, allyship, let's call it, even more general. And and so you see both characters in both plays. This is like sort of uh, uh, something that contemporary drama is dealing with to some degree, right? This, this I'm, I'm with you in a sense, right? I'm with you insofar as it advances my current social position to be with you. And it's a little more explicitly about social position in that poor girl and how he killed her than it is in the Thanksgiving play. But you see this sense of especially uh, wealthier white America being um, being supportive of, uh, of of minority groups, of oppressed groups, of historically disadvantaged groups, only insofar as it advances the image of wealthy white America to do so. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting to kind of see the similarities between them, especially two really different demographics. Yes. right. So you, so you have, uh, yeah, in in uh, that poor girl and how he killed her, this like high schooler into college age bracket. This one is is the the play doesn't specify the age of the characters, um, but but it's it's an echelon above that, some somewhere a generation advanced, uh, at least you know enough time to go to L.A. and not work out in L.A. and end up as school teachers. Yeah, they're and, they're and not in college. That poor girl that killed her is like college students back from break. So these are like young professionals at the minimum. Right, at the minimum. Yeah, so it's in- interesting to kind of see those two themes played out in very different demographics and and see uh, how, yeah, how how they relate to each other as they all try to navigate the their their own perception of each other and themselves within the context of their trying to um, to uh, stand up for the, the 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 minorities that they deem worthy of their time. Or deem uh, most valuable for their time, right? I mean, that's ultimately yeah. it's like uh, support, uh, wokeness, uh, uh, political correctness, uh, uh, political stances, right? All this stuff becomes currency, and and especially in that poor girl and how he kills her, that currency is exchanged and valued and spent in different ways, right? And in the Thanksgiving play, you can sort of see how they're building that currency for themselves. I mean, I think that Thanksgiving play is maybe more than that poor girl and how he killed her about your own sense of being uh, an ally, right? In the sort of capital A sense of the word ally, of right. being woke, of being correct, that you can then carry into the world to spend that currency. Whereas poor girl is maybe more specifically about that sense in the eyes of others but very similar undergirded that part of the theme at least that poor girl is not also about native american issues but i think that that part of it is very much shared I think that's just about all the time we have for this play. This play, like, there's just so many delightful little scenes <laughs> inside this play. Great exchanges of dialogue. The comedy of this play, the, the, the like, improv scenes uh, of this play are, you know, difficult to talk about in the way that we talk about plays on this podcast. A lot of themes, a lot of character development. But the way that they just comedically come up with these scenes and progressively work themselves along their logic path is just masterful. Yeah, so there's, there's the whole devising part because they're devising the Thanksgiving play and and Alicia once it's finally been revealed that she's not a Native American person they were like well we, you know she was like I, I well you wanted my voice mine was the most important voice in the room and they're like well why why did you think that we wanted that and Alicia <laughs> yeah. says because it's devised <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's there's so many moments <laughs> like that. Um, but but oh. if you want to continue talking about this play, uh, you can. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We'd love to keep talking about this play with you. All the usernames at on those social media sites are at NoScriptPodcast. We also have a Gmail, NoScriptPodcast at gmail.com. Find us on any of those sites. If you have read this play, seen this play, been a part of this play, uh, we'd love to keep talking about the Thanksgiving play with you. 
Absolutely. We have got our theme month coming up in April. That's only a few short weeks away. We hope you're excited to spend the month of April looking at plays by David Henry Huang. We certainly are. We, that will be a great joy to us. Hey, if you like this episode, if you liked our other episodes, please pass this on to your family, your friends, anybody that you know that likes scripts, that likes theater, that likes literature, that just likes conversations about interesting stories. Send them our way. We're on Podbean where we're hosted. Also Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. If if you'd like an easy way to find us without having to subscribe or keep track of a different app, if you're on Facebook, like us on Facebook. There's a link to the new episode every Monday that you can click. It'll take you right to the website to play. So until next week when we are talking about another script, I am Jackson Nikolai. I am Jacob Mann Christensen. Thanks for joining us for No Script, the podcast.